Hey guys, what's up? It's Christine Fierce, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast Done Not Perfect. I love that I get to have this free platform for everyone, but if you can just do me a favor, like, comment, share, and subscribe, so that way we can keep it free. The more people listening, the better. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? Hold on. Can you hear me okay? I can now. Okay. For a second, but I can now. (laughs) Well, I used to be able to record these in my laundry room with the door shut, but now I guess uh, everyone gets to listen to my dogs walking and my son shutting the doors. (laughs) Well, that's a little more authentic that way. True. So before we start, is anything off limits? Um, No. Cool. I'm, I'm comfortable with anything you ask, I think. Cool. Well, I just want to say I'm really excited to, that you took time out of your day to to uh, talk to me for a little bit because um, I just I find you so peaceful, Aaron. <laughs> I'm like I want to be like him. How do I do that? Well, thank you. I I've had a few other people tell me s- similar things, and I would suggest. It's somewhat new for me. It hasn't always been that way. Oh, really? Can you feel yeah. a difference? Oh, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Oh, I grew up here in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and um, my parents were pastors growing up, um, so I grew up in a Christian world for sure, um, and I kind of recognized there that there should be some peace available, but wasn't always finding it. Definitely as a kid, I wasn't. Um, Went to college in California, Southern California. Came back here. Um, I actually went to school to be in, it was a school to prepare someone for ministry. I was not sure I wanted to be in ministry, but I definitely wanted to um, think through my faith. Yeah. Um, I did that. By the time I got out of school, I was very sure I did not want to go into that kind of field for work and so I came here back here (laughs) and started building homes did that for oh like 13 or 14 years and then just in the last nine years I have been pastoring a church so the transition from construction to that um was was pretty impactful uh and that's kind of where some of that switch, not necessarily just the job switch, but mindset change happened for me where I was kind of in the past, past used to think anxiety was a norm and yeah. um, began to sort of work through some of that in, in the later years of my construction role. And then, and then more so as I um, become um, more involved in leading the faith community that I lead. So so, and you're also a husband and a father. Kind of short yeah. And I don't know if you want to know a little bit more about that. Um, so I, I would say that I had fear as my guide. I don't know if you quite get that. I'll see if I can explain that a little bit, but it definitely produced a lot of anxiety. So I remember in fifth grade, getting kind of picked on and thinking, I never want to get picked on again. And what do I have to do to make that not happen? What'd you get picked on for? 
Um, you know, we moved from Grand Junction to Glenwood Springs when I was in fifth grade. And then uh, I, I'm not really sure, but I, I equated it to being kind of on the outside. I did get teased about my dad being a pastor, um, but I, I was just on the outside of an in-group kind of thing. And okay. um, so I just kind of made this decision in my mind that I'm going to like use fear as a guide to keep me away from things that I don't like. And I kind of did that a long time. And looking back, I can see that's sort of what I was doing. Um, I, like, like I said, I, when I went to school, I was really trying to kind of grab my own faith and my family had presented faith to me, but I was really at a time where I was questioning it when I went to um, that theological school, Yeah, which it helped firm that up for me, but it, I never really, um, changed that fear structure. I was still making decisions based on fear. I kind of was living this perfectionist life and that's a tough life to live in the construction world when, especially during the busy years, sometimes I would be running like three different framing jobs and, and trying to make sure there was no mistakes. And that was just eating my lunch uh, all the time. Um, and so Were you I was married during that time. I was, yeah. And just towards the end, like towards the end of that, starting to have children too. Oh, living wow. a very, very, very compartmentalized life. Like I didn't ever want to talk about work. Yeah. Um, I was completely available to my boss whenever he needed me. Um, I was just in a real stuck place. The money was good. I, sh I think if I would have had a different mindset, I could have enjoyed that section of my life a lot more. But I found myself towards the end and middle of that just so anxious. I would say I was probably... I having some depression issues, having some anxiety attacks during that time. I, like, I would just find myself so anxious about nothing. I couldn't even put my finger on what it was. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely relatable. Yeah. It's a hard place to live in. <laughs> yeah. And I was calling that normal. I mean, I, my chest was tight all the time and I just thought, well, that's how Americans live. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's so, funny. Well, maybe it's not funny, but it's like when you tell someone that you're like, oh, it's just normal. They're like, actually, it's not. Yeah, it was quite an, an encounter for me to begin to realize that that was my body telling me that something was wrong for like 13 years. <laughs> so um, nice to start paying attention to that. And um, um, yeah, I started looking into some of that and seeing it as a warning sign instead of just the normal life and making some pretty big changes around that. Yeah. I mean, speaking of changes, that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on because I mean, as a world, as a whole, we've gone through a lot of changes and I mean, myself included. And really when we went on that walk, it, it helped me so much, Aaron, like walking and talking with you, I was like, man, this guy knows his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just right. Finding peace among like the chaos because yeah. we can't control the chaos that's right but how do we find peace yeah um well i mean you kind of prepped me with that and i i thought about a story that i think made a big difference in my life i was working with a life coach that asked me what's something that i want to get better at in life and at the time i was having you know we had little kids and at work and i was feeling pretty uh, responsible to those two things, but 
also feeling like I needed some time alone and having a hard time giving myself permission to do that. And so I just said, well, I'm, I'm really trying to create some space for self-care in my life. And I'm struggling to do that. And, and he asked me some weird questions. I thought at the moment, he said, so um, his first question was, okay, so he asked me like, well, how would you do that? And I said, oh, I'd go hiking off in the woods and just spend a few hours two to five hours alone and maybe reading, reflecting, journaling, that kind of thing. And he says, so you've done it some. And I said, yeah, I've done it some, but I'm not having a hard time getting it justified into my regular schedule. And he said, okay, well, what's something in life that you hate? And I said, I hate hypocrisy in myself and others. Um, And he said, okay, so what happens when you go off by yourself and and spend five hours alone. And I said, you know, I come back feeling more true to myself. I feel like I know who I am. I feel more confident, less fearful. Um, And all of a sudden, all of that just clicked in my mind. Like, (laughs) these are the most important things. Like, if I can't carve out four or five hours a week to go be alone, to produce authentic living, I'm crazy. And it just all lined up. And all of a sudden I had all the permission in the world to make sure I was doing something that would bring peace to my heart, you know? Yeah. Instead of just driving so hard through everything, recognizing like, Oh, this is like the top priority. This is one of the biggest things I need to focus on. And um, that's where that change I, that I can look back and see really started happening for me. Mm-hmm. just being able to say, I, I don't, I don't think everybody needs permission. I, I, I would guess maybe your personality doesn't uh, as much. For some reason, I felt so responsible to all these other things that I didn't know that I was responsible for my own peace and my own well, own well-being. Aaron, I fight with that all the time. I'm, yes, my personality is very strong and I'm bold, but like you, it's like, I care about this responsibility and it, it is like, Andrew's always like, please go leave and do something for yourself. And my answer is always, I can't. What about yeah. the dishes? What about the laundry? What about the dogs? Like there's, yeah. I always have a freaking excuse. Yeah. What about the kids? I mean, that's a big weight too. I, I, as a parent, and I maybe think sometimes for, for moms even more, but as a parent, I totally relate to feeling like if I don't, if I'm not doing this for them, you know. Yeah, I, I get it. I feel it. so I'm glad to hear you say that, uh, that we all maybe need a little bit of freedom and support to do the things that keep the peace. So, I mean, I'd say anyone who's listening to this, I guarantee they're going to be like, oh, this yeah. is my sign to go ahead and let myself like take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I had to let go of that, that frantic feeling of laundry uh, work pressure. I had to really let go of the idea that I was in control of a lot of things. Not like, like not just lay all my responsibilities down, but say it's more important that I do this than it is almost anything. And then I can go at my life with some peace and well-being instead of just running on empty for years and years and years, frantically trying to keep everybody happy. Yeah. So, it sucks. So, I mean, the laundry will always be there. Exactly, that's exactly right. Laundry is nothing to worry about for sure. But but I, it's the, something we do worry about. Right. Oh, absolutely. 
because so. it never ends. So I'm like, well, maybe if I just get on top of it today, tomorrow will be easier. Yeah. <laughs> no, something yeah. else will need to be washed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what would what would be some tips that you could give out to someone um, that was maybe like finding themselves more frantic and wishing that they had that internal peace? Um, I think we have to ask some questions of our culture. And, okay. and I think that means saying is the busyness that is kind of culturally almost celebrated, but certainly accepted. Is that something I want to participate in? Um, that, and I mean, that's kind of philosophical and not super practical, but before you start saying, I'm going to, I guess my first thing is we have to slow down, but before you can slow down, you have to say, do I still have value if I'm not running so fast? Oh my gosh. You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Do I still have value? Yeah. Yeah. Do I have value without seeming busy or being busy or doing the laundry or whatever, we somehow link our value to these external things that I'm having to practice, and it is a practice, to associating myself as valuable apart from those external things. Um, and that's some of what I do when I'm alone. It's just practice training my mind to believe that I am valuable, whether I get all the stuff done, because as you said, the stuff never gets done. Yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of like a trick <laughs> yeah so i think if we wrestle that out and say look the culture's telling us something that's not true and we can start being creative about that not even judgmental like let people be busy if they want to but when they when the wheels are coming off um sit with them and and talk about a slower life and and for sure do that for ourselves the wheels I mean, the warning sign is flashing often for people. And if we can see anxiety, that's another really good one is recognize that anxiety is often a warning sign that you are outside of the limits that you have. You're living well outside the limits that you have. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could just be like your idea of how much control you think you have or whatever. But so uh, slowing down has been huge. Here's, so, and you know, I know there's people listening that don't, don't believe the same worldview as I do. And that's, that, I, that's great with me, but, but uh, like in the church world. And so I, I, hopefully this will pass through. I, my illustration is as a pastor of a church, I have achievements and goals that I have in mind for the church and for myself there. And um, let's say I start getting kind of anxious about it not happening, which is pretty common when you're leading people. Um, and I, if I'm associating my value to that, then I'm getting more and more anxious as nothing is happening in the church that I want to have happen or something like that. Instead of trying harder, I will rest. I will actually, as, as my anxiety goes up, I'm saying that's my message to stop trying and go find some peace in some solitude, in some uh, family recreation in something where I'm not trying to control outcomes. Yeah. And letting that go. And, and I think practicing that over and over, it, you know, it almost sounds like now I'm an underachiever, but <laughs> maybe that's true, but I'm peaceful. <laughs> and, and I don't, I actually think if I go far enough with that, 
I'm actually achieving the things that really matter to me instead of achieving on a scorecard that I never signed up for. Yes. Yeah. I remember, well, just like when we moved here and you were just kind of just, you know, talking to us and getting to know us. And I remember one of the first things she said, and I was like, Oh, it hit me in my gut. Cause I was like, that, that's it. I couldn't figure out why I was so, I felt so empty, mm-hmm. but you asked me, you're like, Oh, are you having a hard time identifying now who you are? And I was like, you just met me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, can you, do I have it on my forehead or what? But, but I mean, what is important to me is my family, but I was so wrapped up in that like hustle culture, we'll call it right. Yeah. Of where it's like, do all these things, check all the boxes. But then I was doing the exact opposite of what meant the most to me. Yeah. So I've just spent like the last year kind of like retraining my thought process. Like you said, like, okay, maybe I'm not scoring as much on the scorecard, but the things that matter are getting taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you still have to train your mind to appreciate the things that matter because the old scorecard was like telling you, you mattered. Right. And loving your family, it takes some reflection to capture the meaning there. It's not as quick of a feedback loop, you know, like, I I guess. I don't know. I I hear you, though. That's awesome that you've done that. Well, and you just said another word that was it. I think it took me like literally three or four years to wrap my head around was contentment. Mm. Yeah. And that's a long time to kind of be okay with a word like that, right? (laughs) But being content with something is um, it's not being like complacent, right? So it's just. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. So how did you find contentment? changing because going from like a construction job to a pastor that's kind of a wildly different world yeah yeah um honestly it was really hard um the money was different and money meant something to my value at the time uh i could get things done in the framing world and go away and go wow look what i did all day or all month or whatever and and then it was very different different i i was kind of apprehensive and almost I just to be really honest, I was kind of embarrassed that I was a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that took me to a place where I was in need of dealing with that. And so I just keep, kept having to go deal with that inner conflict to keep moving ahead. And, and that is where some contentment started. I began to let go. I, here's, here's what I would say. Contentment came for me as I was able to let go of my identity being attached to these external signs. Um, and it, then, then all of a sudden the kind of house I lived in didn't matter so much. How much money I was making didn't matter so much. How big the church I was leading didn't matter so much because I, I had to let go of that as I transitioned out of the old job um, and gratefully letting go of it because it was a slave driving hamster wheel. It was terrible. You just have to keep going. and. The, the, the stakes just keep going up. So as I let go of that, I just began to think, oh, this is so much better to slow down and, and hold some peace. That's worth so much more than that achieving promise that's lingering out there that never seemed to fulfill me anyway. Yeah. I would never think that a pastor would like at first be like, oh, well, yeah, I'm a pastor and have to kind of, I guess, navigate that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was tough. That piece was, I mean, you know, you go from like this kind of tough guy world 
where you're making you're, you feel like you're building America. You know, that's what they say over there in that world. <laughs> We're building America. And uh, you, you can see what you're doing. And then you come out of that and you're actually um, now trusting in people's generosity for your own for your own family's welfare. And, yeah. And paycheck, which uh, is humbling in in two different ways. One on the good side, wow, people care enough to support us. And then on the other side, like, I didn't feel like it was the same earning right, you know, like I did this and then received this. It wasn't the same fair trade or something or as clear. So I had to let go of a lot of my identity around provision. And that shape, and for me, that means God provides for me. And I, I'm not trying to push that on anyone, but that's how I see it. Is is And that I recognized even when I was building homes, I, I could see that was still how it was. I didn't see it then. Right. But you know, looking back, I could see I wasn't in control of feeding my family, even though I said I was. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I had a brain and a body that what, that I didn't have anything to do with putting together, but it was... Uh, and a, and I lived in an economy that was working and all the things that I could see as gifts instead of me. And that took me out of that loop of I'm responsible for things that are outside of my limits. And I think we trick ourselves so often to think that we are the hinge pin when we're so far from that. We're so far from that. So we're living outside of reality. And I would say when we live outside of reality, we get anxious. Mm. That's a good way to put it. So how was it being a father? Um, well, I love being a dad. Um, you have three I, girls, right? I have three girls. Yep. They're 13, 11, and nine. They're lovely. Um, some of my favorite people to hang out with. Um, and I would say, because I was, I would say my wife is named Rebecca. We were both pretty anxious about having a child as probably most first parents are, but I was also super anxious. So being a dad in that realm is I knew that they were very important. So I gave everything I could, but I was exhausted and compartmentalized. And so I recognized I was going to teach them to live that way too. Yes. And that was troubling to me. So at the time I had no idea what to do about it. Um, Were you anxious when you found out you were having then three girls? uh-huh yeah because <laughs> two two we felt like we sort of had had it dialed in um our third one added a lot and i would say that, that pressed us beyond our limits by a long shot i i was still in construction at the time um my wife got really sick during all of her pregnancies and so we it was like we were scratching it out for sure We'd have to go live with my parents sometimes because she couldn't get out of bed for days at a time. Oh, my gosh. And then you have two toddlers running around and me driving from Silt to Aspen every day. And uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a time that we got stretched beyond our limits. And I couldn't see through any of that to say, hey, maybe I should change my life up and and change something. I just couldn't see through the. um the walls of my life to, uh, to make a change that would have served us. Yes. And everyone asked me, they're like, well, how could you leave California? Or, you know, like, how did, like, why, how did this all come about? And it was kind of the same thing. Like I was traveling multiple times a month running the salon. Andrew had 
you know, the CrossFit gym. I never saw them. Yeah. And I, without, I'm so thankful. Like it sucks that, you know, COVID took, has taken so many lives and, but the same time it's changed mine for the better. Like it made me stop. It made me realize what's important. And I knew the only way that I'd be able to serve my family was to get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I think you saying that reminds, I, if I were to say like what turned my life around is the, the pain got high enough that the payoff of living the way I was living changed, changed. And I think that's sort of what's happened in, in pandemic world is that like things got critical enough that change had to happen. And and that's what I think happened in my life is I could, I could live with that monotonous grinding anxiety for that many years until I couldn't. And then I just I began to see I something has to change or, I mean, I'm missing out on everything. I love that you were able to see that. And I love that it's working out in a way that you can see the, see the gifts of it. I you. mean, it, it took me a minute. <laughs> I'm sure. It's, it's Sometimes I'm still like, oh, what would it, what could it have been? Or what if I didn't stop? Or Yeah. I would yeah. have been. Let's go with that a little bit. I mean, so that's a struggle for you. You kind of wonder oh, yeah. if you had no walked away, maybe what, what great things would be coming your way or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like realistically, I think I make a hundred thousand dollars less than I did there. Like that's a big amount of money to, (laughs) to like that. It almost, it hurts my stomach a little, even say that out loud and to tell someone, but yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, I wonder how much money I could have been making. What would I have done with that money or, you know? Yeah. But what was the price for that payoff? The price would be never seeing my family. And I was forever angry. I was always mad. Like every single day I was just so mad about something because I was such a control freak. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't nice to my husband when I was the breadwinner, to be completely honest. Yeah. 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 And so then I get looking back and wondering about it. And I think I still do that myself. Um, but I'm really, I mean, like you're, you're definitely wrestling with some of the real cool things about this is that on letting go of a hundred thousand dollars and then in and finding joy and relationship that's deeper, I, that's it is what do we really value? Right. And, and maybe in the long run, how do we, how do we maybe, you know, increase our, our chances at a living or more money as we recognize those priorities instead of the other way around. Yes. Going at it now, knowing how to keep your limits and thinking about, you don't have to sell your soul to make more money. Possibly if you think through that, you right. can move, move at a pace that's more crafted to who you are and you're not having to lay, like give up all that and, and feel all that pain and be angry for the rest of your life to, to have that kind of wealth. That's not <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what good is mad money? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's supposed to make you happy. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah, that, that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good one. <laughs> so yeah. Well, man. That's like kind of, that's kind of a lot of info, Aaron. 
It is. And I know, I mean, it, it's big, big thinking. And, um, and I, I think it's really hard for someone that's not at the threshold of that pain to make a change. I, I mean, I'm not sure you can, you know, like the, the, you said, it's how to have peace in the midst of chaos. But before we maybe make a change, we have to feel the level of chaos at such a level that we will consider living our life a different way. Yeah. Actually, I read a quote the other day, or I was watching something, but it's, they were talking about like, you know, when you hit the bottom hard enough, it shakes you awake. Yeah. So it's like when you're like, but <laughs> it's, isn't it funny that humans have to get to that point to really make a change? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, maybe, and, or is it just crazy. me? No, it's not. And I think it's crazy that, that I am still tempted to go back. That's really? I mean, not not to the not to the anxiety, but like you were talking about, like I'm still tempted to try to get my value out of external achievements. And do you know how good that makes me feel? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. I mean, I think we have to be real. I'm not like a peace-loving monk that just sits around and meditates. So I definitely struggle. I struggle with letting go and, and saying my worth is not linked to my achievements. I, that is a big struggle. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know Andrew struggles with that too. Yeah. And I think it's so funny because how him and I live when I know, I know he thought that was funny too, is how he's like an atheist and I, yeah, I'm going to church every Sunday, either on the TV or at your place or, you know, (laughs) yeah. So I guess it doesn't matter really what you believe. The struggles will be there. It's like, how do we move past them or not past them, but go through them and then past them? Yeah, that's, I think, really crucial is will we actually address them um, rather than just push them to the side and keep going and pretending they're not there? Um, It's almost easier to do that until... (laughs) <laughs> until you're in a bad, bad place. Yeah, and I, I think we've got to not be too hard on ourselves. Sometimes we have to do that. Like someone that's gone through some kind of emotional trauma, part of part of the coping mechanism is the fact that we can set it aside. But as we are learning, as people are learning more and more about trauma, when it goes on, like, yeah, sure, you can set it aside and keep living at, at a pretty functional level, but it does come to bear somewhere it, it does crawl out and and so i think we have to learn how to instead of go you know get around things we have to say what's going on in my heart why am i sad and i'm making all this money and i'm and i'm measurably successful is why is it not never enough and those kind of questions that are so crucial to peace and I mean, stepping off the treadmill of our culture that says you matter and that is linked to how much money you make, how much influence you have, those kind of things. Uh, one of the things I love my mom or my, my wife tells me a lot is, hey, you might have influence outside, you know, but we, we don't have it. There's no one we can influence more than our kids. And that kind of pulls me back to that contentment piece too, is like, 100%. What, yeah. Well, I don't know what kind of legacy I'm going to have outside of my family, but I do know um, there's a lot to do and a lot for me to serve my girls and my wife in a way that sets them up for fullness 
and good well-being rather than teaching them how to live anxious. Well, I think that's a huge thing, you know, about having the peace and the chaos is. And I think that this is just my opinion, obviously, but I always hear people in the salon saying, oh, I would hate to have a kid now, like all this shit's going on. But I think it's I think things are just being brought to light a and B we have the internet at our fingertips. So we're seeing the thing. So it's not that it's happening more. It's just, we see it and we hear it. And I think, you know, just teaching them is the best way to get through it. Right. So yeah, there's terrible shit going on all the time, but that's kind of how humans operate sometimes. And You know, and if we can teach them to be better than we learned, then, hey, we're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a that's a big thing to talk about. For, I mean, just for a moment, I, like the amount of information that's at our fingertips and how much that can increase our anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I noticed you didn't have any social medias. Does that, yeah. does that help with your social? Or yeah, your I don't play around with that stuff because it never... I mean, I, I just tell people I'm not mature enough to go into Facebook. I'm just not like it, it makes me feel sad and I don't like to feel sad and I can't do anything about those senses of trying to control other people that I see on there. You know, I, like if I get reactive, it does make me feel alive for a moment, but it turns into anxiety. I can't control things. I watch, I, I do look at the news some, but I try to be careful about that too, because what I want to focus my life on what I can have impact on. And me complaining about this or that or being concerned about this or that, if I'm not going to do anything about it, all it is going to do is bring my anxiety up. And that's me not accepting the limit. What can Aaron do? I can love my kids. I can um, love my friends. Those are kind of like, that's about it. And I don't know how those outcomes will come, but I I, I don't feel um, like playing around with that stuff helps me and it actually usually lures me into thinking those old thoughts of my value is attached to what I get done and yeah in the world so I, I'm I'm careful about that I think that's a I'm, but again I've told people hey be careful about how much time you're spending there and like you know I think that's another like when the pain gets high enough you'll you'll get off of there yeah it, a, there's a payoff you know on the social media world it makes you feel good for a while you know, as you know, I, I totally uh, relate to someone with young kids, like I need five seconds and you just want to check out and disconnect. And well, I, I don't think it's always terrible to do that on social media, but I would say the return for your checking out there is going to add to your anxiety. Probably. Definitely. <laughs> and then you're going to regurgitate it to someone else who was probably yeah. doing just fine. And now you just stress this next person out. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I would like to just spend a couple minutes talking about is this guy, um, Edwin, Edwin Friedman, is someone that has really helped me. And one of the things he talks about is anxiety being like electricity. And, and we need leaders that are circuit breakers. So when the anxious thought... Oh, wait, 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 wait. That was so good. I want you to say that again, because that was okay. so good. So he, he understands anxiety um, as like electricity in a trap system and it's moving around and, and the anxiety can keep coming up higher and higher. And what he starts considering really solid leadership is, a, is someone that can act as a circuit breaker. 
that they're not taking on the anxiety and reacting and making it bigger. That's what a transformer does. It, it can make it bigger or smaller. But, but, uh, but he's saying that in that heightened sense of electricity or anxiety, that someone that is bringing peace is, is non-reactive. It's a non-anxious, non-reactive presence connected to people that maybe are anxious, but we just continue to represent a non-reactive presence around folks that might be very reactive. And somehow that's a really long-term way of bringing peace. Well, and I feel like you are a great example of that because I'm sure being, I'm not a pastor, but I would assume myself included, I'm like, Aaron, just talk to me, you know? And so I come to you and I'm sure a lot of people do and they kind of spew shit on you that's going on. And then you answer so gracefully. So how do you do that? Um, (laughs) Practice? Yeah, I practice, but I think a big one is just the lost art of listening. I think, to to be honest, I I think someone that's feeling rattled needs to be heard and they don't need advice. Um, Your brain and my brain is so good. You already know, like, all the options. Um, You don't need me to tell you what you're scared to do. You need me to hear you and say you're not alone. And so I practice that, like listening to what's really going on in someone's heart. Uh, And I do think that provides a level of peace. And me giving, let's say someone comes to me and says, uh, I'm in an abusive relationship. I I don't know what to do. And and like they're beat up. And I know obviously to tell them, you need to get out of the relationship. uh, That could add stress to them because they already know that. Right. They know it, and that, that's an extreme case, and I shouldn't be sick, maybe even using it because basically in that case, I maybe should intervene and get them away. But, but a lot of times, the, the scenario that's getting stated to me, they know the answer, and I'm, I'm not sure I know the answer, but advice in, rather than listening can increase anxiety, I think. So to just ask open-ended questions while someone's talking and then making sure I'm listening and helping them see non-verbally even that I am I care about. Um, and, and I mean, that, that's not a lot. And I, there's not a lot I can do for a lot of the people. But somehow that little piece of saying you're not alone sort of draws down the fear and gives opportunity to see clearly. Sometimes, you know, for someone to make the decision they need to make, that takes 20 touch points or more. But I'm not really trying to associate myself with when are they going to do the right thing. I'm just in the in the daily, the long term. I want to listen and tell you that you're not alone and and, and you're valuable. And then over time, I think that, that at least gives them an opportunity to uh, to find some peace and then maybe make a decision based out of courage instead of fear. Ooh, that was good. You have so many bangers. It's only been 40 minutes and I've learned a lot. I think, I think about it a lot and I, it's probably one of the most impactful things. I think I, Steen was missing who I, as I would say, how, how God made me. And I missed so much of that, so much of my life. It is a true joy for me to recognize how I've been created and live that out. It feels like you know, your favorite sweatshirt or something. 
like that compared to, I don't know, wearing an insulation jacket that makes you <laughs> So I'm really happy about the changes that have happened in my life. And, and I certainly hope, and I, I think anxiety is probably a, like a crucial issue for almost every person I know. So love, love talking about it for sure and thinking about it. Well, I appreciate you taking time, Aaron. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Because I feel like that's, those are a couple pills to swallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, no so if someone wanted to check your church out, do you want to give a shout out to your church? Oh, sure. Um, you can check out Sunlight uh, at Sunlight Foursquare. No, I'm sorry. Sunlightfoursquare.org is our website. You can tell how into this marketing thing I am. I barely know our website. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, Sunlight foursquare.org you can find out when we are we're at 10 o'clock on sundays in glenwood springs west glenwood um but more importantly i would say slow down a little bit in your life and and um i think in my opinion god will reach out and and lead people to peace as they seek it uh, the problem is we're running so fast we're not looking anywhere we're almost running away from it right <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure yeah all right. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Hey, where can I listen to this? I don't know. I'll send you a link. Okay. Awesome. I, I like, the, like, the podcast I'd like to listen to your other stuff. I tried finding, finding it on Facebook. I couldn't figure it out. So yeah, <laughs> it's still, I it's, I'm slowly getting it marketed because, you know, I was afraid honestly to yeah. do this for ah. so long. And so. Well, good job. See, that's a good moving through fear. That's one of the keys right there. Yep. What were you afraid of? Not doing it perfect. Ah. Hence the name done, not perfect. So I was like, if someone's got something to say, look at the name. Sorry, it's just done, okay? <laughs> yeah, perfect. I love that. That is perfect that you moved through it and that yes. you did fear guide you. Good, good job. <laughs> All right. I'll see you at the gym. Okay. Take care. Have a good day. You guys already know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe, and share with your motherfucking friends. Bye.